It's Thursday's Live at Five Sports with Todd and Suhan. Bill sitting in for Todd this week, joined by Jim Suhan of the Star Tribune and Talk North uh, podcast. And, well, a disappointing loss yesterday for the Twins. Uh, Jim, uh, you know, they had a 6-3 to lead, uh, couldn't hold off the Brewers. And, I don't know, after watching these two teams, I, I think Milwaukee might be slightly better than the Twins. I mean, they objectively are better. Um, and really kind of two similar teams, both with excellent starting pitching, both with some talent in the bullpen, uh, but not really shut down bullpens, and then a lineup that has, you know, been largely ineffective. Uh, they've basically survived on pitching. They're really similar, and they both play in fairly weak divisions. Milwaukee is just a, right now objectively a better team. You know, the Twins are still in pretty good shape. And they start a series of the Rangers tonight. Uh, by the way, if anybody's coming to town for the Twins game, we're doing our chin music show at 5.30 at Glicks, which is a bar right down the street from Target Field. And uh, the Rangers are struggling. And the Rangers are kind of struggling to do what made them so good. They, they were just dominating offensively. And now they're going through a stretch the last 10 games or so where they're not hitting with runners to scoring position. They're not scoring as many runs. And now they've lost seven, I think, seven of the last nine. So, you know, I think the disappointment in Milwaukee was that the bullpen really let them down. And, of course, we can second-guess uh, Rocco bringing in Floro. Uh, you know, I would have stayed with Ober another inning. Um, but then, you know, when they had it all set up for them to use their best relievers, their rested relievers, yesterday with the lead, the, their best relievers came in and gave it up anyway. So, you know, we don't know how things would have turned out if Ober had pitched sixth inning on Tuesday. We do know they should have won the game on Wednesday. You know, and the thing is, uh, you know, this was a problem early on for Pagan was giving up home runs, and it looked like he had cured himself of that until yesterday. Well, and and, and this is where I try to add context. I mean, Pagan is a middle reliever, and he pitched great for him for about two solid months. I mean, every once in a while you're going to give up a, a big hit. You know, it's just nobody's going to be perfect in that situation. Uh you know, Mariano Rivera blew a save in the Game 7 of the World Series. Nobody's absolutely perfect. So, uh, you know, he threw a really bad pitch there. It got crushed. Thielbar threw a really bad pitch, uh, and he got crushed. And Duran, you know, gave up kind of a cheap run in the 10th on a slow roller that wasn't really his fault. Um, so if either Thielbar or Pagan does the job yesterday, they probably win the game. Uh, they needed one of those two guys to come through, and unfortunately neither did. Both of them – but you know, here's the thing. Uh, Philbar is a really good pitcher, had a bad day. Pagan has been as good as any reliever they've had the last two months. He had a bad day. I mean, sometimes it's just about the timing. You know, and Jax, he seems like he's been on the last couple of uh, outings. You know, he had struggled a little bit. Uh, like you said, it just illustrates your point. Uh, you know, they're going to have good days and some that aren't so good. It, it, I mean, it, it's not going to be perfect. They just needed to work out in the end. Uh, I do think they're one arm short in the bullpen. And you know, two disappointments there. One is Jorge Lopez, you know, couldn't just couldn't function here, and he was supposed to be their lockdown eighth inning guy. And if he had done, if he was, had been able to do his job and keep that job, they'd be in much better shape in the bullpen. And the other, the other thing is that uh, Brock Stewart, who just you know was as good as any Twins pitcher when he was healthy, couldn't stay healthy. Uh, so they're missing two guys who could have been dominant eighth inning guys and pushed everybody into lesser roles instead. These are the guys who are going to have to do it. You know, Duran, Jax, Pagan, Thielbar, they're going to have to be there. They're going to have to just do pitch better than they did yesterday. 
Switching gears to the Vikings, uh, of course, Marshall's own Trey Lance, very high pick. What was he, the third player picked in the draft? And and now he might be looking for a job, it sounds like. And, of course, being one of Minnesota's own, uh, a lot of people would like to see the Vikings at least uh, explore the op- option of maybe acquiring him as a backup. And so often when I hear you know, rumors like this, I, it feels like it's my job to add context and be realistic and tell you that uh, that's not really going to happen. This really can't happen. You know, the Dame Lillard r- rumors were silly this summer. This one, this makes all kinds of sense. Uh, Cousins is the last year of his deal. The Vikings do not have a quarterback of the future yet unless Cousins impresses them enough this year that they pay him a huge amount of money for a long t- period of time. Trey Lance is a very talented young guy. The 49ers have – Kyle Shannon is an excellent coach. Uh, he has blown this completely. They gave up tremendous assets. They passed up a chance to take great players like Micah Parsons or, or uh, Jamar Chase to trade up and get Trey Lance, uh, and they're going to have Sam Darnold be the backup instead. Uh, I think they've mismanaged Trey Lance. I think he's a really talented guy. He could be the Vikings quarterback of the future, and you might be able to get him at a reasonable price. I would be all for trading for him. You know, and he had such a really, uh, you know, limited college career. He's been a little bit bitten by the injury bug, but like you say, uh, when he is healthy, it looks like he's got oodles of potential. He he does, and I think that I also think that O'Connell and Wes Phillips and this offensive staff are probably perfectly suited to developing a young quarterback. Um, you know, they're, they're smart, they're personable, they put their quarterback in position to to succeed. You know, I, I just think I think it would be a great marriage. You know, uh, it's unfortunate in a way, and maybe we're going the way to where we're going to have maybe one or two preseason games. Uh, you know, uh, I guess it's a chance to look at your, your roster, the depth of your roster, and who you're going to try to protect ultimately. But it sounds as if, uh, you know, most of the really good uh, battles between the number ones have been going on in these, uh, in these joint practices, and they're not going to happen again on the field on Saturday. Correct. Now, I think the, I think players who are really fighting for a roster spot or really fighting to prove themselves in a real a true battle uh, will get in the game on Saturday, just like they did last Saturday. I mean, you're going to see young cornerbacks, you're going to see receivers, you're going to see a lot, you know, special teamers, people who really are fighting for a roster spot are going to be on the field. You're just not going to see the number one, you know, first string players, at least not many of them, maybe only a couple. And um, and I think we're headed toward. Uh, an 18-game regular season, two preseason games. I think that's where we're going to end up within a couple of years here. Um, and listen, we can. Com- I complain about the quality of preseason games all the time. The reality is they draw fans. They get ratings. Uh, the NFL loves being able to make extra money in the- on these things. So until we get to 18 regular season games, you're probably going to continue to see three really bad preseason games. The only drama we're seeming to have right now with the Vikings is this T.J. Hawkinson uh, situation. And, uh, you know, I guess he feels he's in a pretty strong position, or at least his agent does, that he can uh, work a deal right now, and uh, therefore he isn't rushing onto the field. It certainly feels that way, yes. Um, and there's, there are a few dramas going on out there. you got Jefferson's deal is not done. Jefferson has been complete professional and hasn't uh, has practiced in full, hasn't tried to hold out at all or hold in. Hawkinson seems to be holding his own kind of a hold in, looking for a big deal. And uh, tight ends are kind of underpaid. You know, Travis Kelsey's one of the best players in the league. He's a future Hall of Famer. He's making, I think, like $14 million a year. 
Um, so tight ends are underpaid, and I think Hawkinson wants to change that. And the Vikings, of course, are saying, nope, we're not going to pay you more than Travis Kelsey, who's the best. Um, and then you have, you know, you have a lot of cornerbacks competing for starting jobs. You have, uh, you have a lot of wide receivers, who, quality wide receivers, fighting for the last three spots on the roster at that position. So there, and, and you have a team that is desperately looking for running back depth. And I think if they don't see something big out of uh, one of their backup, a couple more of their backup running backs uh, this week, then they'll be hitting the waiver wire in that regard. Yeah, because this McBride, they were sure bragging him up, and uh, he hasn't really even handled the ball that often, it seems like. Uh, game one, he looked completely overwhelmed, out of his element, didn't look like he knew how to run the ball. Get week two, he was better. Uh, he was better. I didn't still see enough to justify spending a draft pick on him at, at that position, uh, but he was better, and we'll see if he can continue to progress. Well, I'm really looking forward to tonight's uh, Lynx uh, game at Dallas. I, it's going to be interesting to see how much carryover there is from Tuesday night. And uh, there will look, there will be emotional carryover. The question is, does the emotion and intensity translate into anything like cheap play or chippy play or technical fouls? Uh, and it'll also be interesting to see if Sabali, who's one of the best players in the league, uh, can play after spraining her ankle, landing on Bridget Carlton's foot a couple of times. Because if she doesn't play... The Lynx have a decided advantage. Well, it's going to be fun to watch. Jim, it's always great to catch up with you. We'll do it again tomorrow, and it's already Friday. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it.